people. They've been working hard on that for the last number of weeks. And if you are interested in having your uh, children join the children's choir every Sunday night that they meet at, what time is it? 5.15? 5? 5.30 every Sunday evening before our evening service. So just parents be aware of that. And we would love to have more of our children that are in the congregation joining them as they prepare uh, to lead and singing in different ways. But great job, young people. It's always a, a special thing as we think about this is the next generation at Grace Church. This is, this is what we're putting into Grace Church. This is the future. And so let's pray for them as we live uh, the gospel out before them. Turn in your Bibles with me this morning for our text and for our message in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to look in God's Word together at 1 brief verse one brief verse we're going to take second corinthians chapter 9 and verse 15 as our choice text this morning second corinthians chapter 9 and verse 15 our title is god's indescribable gift god's indescribable gift as we look into second corinthians chapter 9 verse 15 tells us we find thanks paul exalts thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Again, thanks, exclamation point. Be to God for his indescribable, inexpressible gift. Church, if you'll join me, I want you to read it with me one more time, verse 15. Let's read it together. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. This is God's word. As we think about the patterns and traditions of what we do on, on Christmas Day, but even beyond Christmas Day, it is a normal thing for, for anyone, really, to give gifts, isn't it? Particularly on Christmas Day, as we celebrate the Lord's birth and give expression to that, at the heart of it is the giving of gifts. In fact, all throughout history, there's been unbelievable gifts given and those gifts express a number of things. Those gifts express the, the wealth of the giver. Uh, those gifts express the enormous expense of the gift. Uh, those gifts express the value of the one receiving it as that love is expressed. Some examples throughout history. In 1886, Edward Lobulay uh, was the leader behind France's gift of what they wanted to be the new Colossus to the United States just after the Civil War, the gift, what would become known as the Statue of Liberty. You talk about a gift, when you go see the Statue of Liberty in the harbor there, that's quite a gift. I've never received a gift as big or as enormous or as costly as the Statue of Liberty. When we think about the ancient world, one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, Nebuchadnezzar II, gifted to his wife because she was homesick, a mini paradise known as the Hanging Gardens of Babylon. It is one of the ancient wonders of the ancient world. Maybe one of the most expensive gifts ever given is the Taj Mahal in India. It's one of the most famous buildings, most recognizable buildings in the world. It was built by Shah Jahan, a famous Mughal ruler, in memory of or beloved memory of his wife who passed away. It took 22 years to complete, took a workforce of 20,000 workers and cost 32 million Indian rupees, of course, in that day's uh, dollars or in rupees. And it's one of the most beautiful places in all the world. 
But here's the thing. We could give a long list of expensive gifts, of amazing gifts. But the thing about those gifts is they're all describable. We can describe them. But when we come to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 15, we find here in our passage that this is actually a, a closing doxology, a closing benediction, if you will. It's a closing, exalting statement that Paul gives in what is really a book within a book. What you find here in, in 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9 is a book really within the book of 2 Corinthians. And the book, if we were to give it a title, we would say is Grace Giving, or the giving that is indicative of those who've known the gospel of grace, or more specifically, those who've known Christ, who know Christ as their Lord and Savior. Paul is concluding here in our text this morning, verse 15, an extended section on teaching of giving, imploring them, exalting them, praising them for their giving, encouraging others to give. So that is the, the context. And he praises them for their lavish giving to the other members within the greater body of Christ. He encourages them and praises them for their gracious giving, a giving that is fueled not by merit or works righteousness, but a giving that is fueled by compassionate love. And so what began in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, here in our text this morning, ends in chapter 9, verse 15. And Paul here in this verse gives a monumental statement that really transcends above the text in one sense. It's, it's a remarkable verse. It's a verse that we have seen a lot at this time of year, haven't we? I've received Christmas cards from some of you dear folks with this written out in calligraphy or as a part of the card itself because it's that monumental, transcendent of a phrase. Verse 15, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. This verse, though it is short, it is deep, 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 much like many other famous, powerful verses within God's word that by the power of his Holy Spirit, he has chosen to supernaturally bless in our memory. This morning, as we walk through verse 15, we're going to look at it with three headings. The first heading is this, the, the gift, excuse me, the giver. Secondly, the gift. And number three, the gratitude. A fuller heading would be this, the most wonderful giver. Secondly, the most wonderful gift. And thirdly, the most wonderful gratitude that is rightly expressed to the first two. As we look into this text, I want you, first of all, to note, number one, the most wonderful giver, verse 15. Notice what Paul says. He says, thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. As Christians, part of our praise, and that is certainly one of the key components of our gathering together, is exaltation and praise in our sovereign God, isn't it? And one of the beautiful things about that is that we have someone to praise. We have a God to exalt in. We have someone to thank, as Paul does here, where he says, thanks be to God. But I want to draw your attention to the source of this gift, the source of this gift. We often think too myopically about giving and gifts and the exchange and, and love expressed. In fact, many people will be giving gifts today, but they have no cognizance they have no realization about why we do such things. To say it rotely or mundanely, Christ is the whole purpose of Christmas, isn't it? 
is the first prefix there in the word. Christ is the Christ of Christmas. But as we ask this question in one sense, why do we do what we do? Here Paul answers our question. Why do we do what we do? Thanks be to God. And here's our key thought for this point, is that God is the most wonderful giver of all. God is the greatest giver of all. Here, Paul in our text ascribes the gratitude to the proper source. He gives it to the first person of the Trinity as he ascribes here in verse 15. God the Father is the first person of the triune Godhead. God the Father as in distinguished from God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. And what Paul wants us to know, and we'll look at here in just a moment, is that everything comes from God. Everything flows from God the Father. God is the quintessential gift giver. In apologetics, we make reference to God as simply this. God is the great first cause. Everything in this world is is of cause and effect. And if you meditate upon that long enough and study general revelation, study God's creation, we must come to the conclusion that there is a great first capital C cause. Here, taking that idea, God is the first great gift giver. In fact, in one sense, we can understand as his children that, listen, friends, everything is a gift. Everything is a gift. Revelation chapter 4 verse 11 says this, the song, the eternal song of the angels and the redeemed is simply this, you are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. Notice, for you created all things and by your will they exist and were created. Friends, your very existence here this morning is at the good pleasure of God. He gives you your life. He sustains you with your breath. And some of you here this morning are not in Christ, yet you are using his gifts. You take his gifts without any gratitude, without any praise. In one sense, you can say it like this. God gives you the breath in which you do not give him thanks for. Again, here in verse 15, Paul wants us to know that God is the most wonderful giver. Psalm 103 verse 19, the psalmist writes this, he says, the Lord has established his throne in the heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Psalm 24 verse 1, the earth is the Lord's, the fullness of it, and the world and all they who live and dwell within it. Here's the point Paul wants us to know as he takes us to the source of all the gifts that we experience, the creator God is that everything comes from Him. He is the first person of the triune Godhead. James 1.17 tells us this. Notice here. Every good gift, every perfect gift is from above. And it's not just simply from the big up there. It's not simply from the big man upstairs. It's, It's not period, end of sentence. Notice, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes from the Father comes from the Father, God the Father, who Paul mentions here. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, Paul asks a rhetorical question where he says this, For who makes you to differ from one another? All of us have strengths and weaknesses. All of us have what we call, notice here, giftings. All of us have opportunities. And the question is this, For who makes you to differ from one another? 
And what do you have, notice here, that you did not receive, friends? What do you own? What do you have? What do you possess that you have not received? Now, if indeed you did receive it, then why do you boast as if you had not received it? And here's our goal this morning as we think about the most wonderful giver. is friends, God is deserving of our praise. God is deserving of our lives. God is deserving of our gratitude. God, such love, demands our praise, our lives, our all. To bring it from the macro down into the micro, bringing it within the context of 2 Corinthians, this has actually been a theme that Paul has been emphasizing coming into our text within going back to chapter 1. This is the theme of God as giver, where Paul says here in our text, thanks be to God as the source. Going back to chapter 1, verse 2, this is what Paul says. As he writes to the church at Corinth, he reminds them that God is the benefactor, the giver, the source of everything that they enjoy for life and for godliness and grace. Chapter 1, verse 2, going to the beginning of 2 Corinthians, if you'll turn there just for a second. Going back to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul says this. As he gives the opening greeting of this book to the church, he says, Grace to you and peace, not from me, as if I'm the originator of these things. No, he says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Christ. In other words, these things are gifts that God gives. He points them, shepherds their hearts to look to Jesus, the author, God the Father, the author and benefactor of their faith. Verse 3 there in chapter 1, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who is he? He's the Father of mercies and the God of every comfort. He's the God of all comfort. Friends, some of you are, are having a difficult time in this holiday season. I want to remind you of the God of all comfort. He is the God, listen, comprehensively of all comfort in that there is no comfort outside, truly outside of him. He is the God of all comfort. Many of you are missing loved ones that you've lost. This is a difficult time of year for a number of reasons. Family strife, relationships strained. I'm not even scratching the surface, I'm sure. But I want to just in passing as we just walk through this, look to the God of all comfort. Turn your heart to the God of all comfort who can supply everything you need in Christ Jesus. Verse 4, he is the God of all comfort who comforts us in all of our tribulation that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. How do we even know how to function in ministry? We receive the gift of his grace and his mercy. and We, we receive it daily, daily. He loads us with benefits, and so we are prepared for every opportunity of ministry that God sends, sends our way. Listen, this very day, friends, Grace Church, you're my primary audience as we study the truth of Scripture this morning. Friends who are visiting with us this morning, of course, we welcome you to the table of the breaking of the, of the bread of God's Word. Grace Church, listen, you're going to have opportunity for ministry today. Listen well. Listen deeply. Have, have the Spirit lead you to minister to your family, to neighbors, to those in your life because of the God of all comfort who gives freely of His mercy and grace to you. Two other quick verses just to nail this point home. Chapter 3, verse 5. Chapter 3, verse 5. Paul again shepherds the Corinthians' hearts to understand that God is the giver of every good and perfect gift 
and he's constantly concerned that they are going to, to take up a heart of pride, that a root of pride will come into their hearts that will draw their heart away from the God who gives everything. He's already made mention of this in the first Corinthians where we mentioned, what do you have that you have not received? Everything is a gift. Chapter 3, verse 5, this is what he says. He says, not that we are sufficient or adequate of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves. You and I, we are helpless creatures made in the image of God. We need everything from God our Father. And that's why he says, but our adequacy, our sufficiency is from God. So therefore, thanks be to God. One last point I'll draw your hearts to is chapter 4, verse 7, where Paul reminds us that there is to be no boasting in our lives. We do not aim to promote ourselves. That is the way of the world. That is the way of culture that needs an identity in something. We've got to go find it. And Paul says, no, 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 your identity is in your God. Your identity is in God, your Father. Your identity is in the gospel and through his son, Jesus Christ. Chapter 4, verse 7, therefore Paul says, we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the supposing, excuse me, surpassing greatness may be of God and not of us or from us. We do not preach ourselves, Paul says, but we have this entrusted treasure. What is that treasure? It's the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is entrusted to us, church, that we are to freely live and proclaim and give, as our brother just a moment ago said, time is short. We give thanks to our God for this indescribable, inexpressible gift, this gift of the gospel. Very quickly, within the New Testament, God the Father, as he gives his gifts, there's a number of passages, and I'll just mention two or three. There's many that we could look at. We'll not look at all of them. But the gifts that, that God gives. So we think about God as the source of every good and perfect gift. Thanks be to God. In John chapter 4, Jesus is having a conversation with the woman at the well, if you remember. And he describes for her the living water of salvation. He says this, If you knew, notice here to the woman, the gift of God and who it is who says to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Thanks be to God for the living water. Jesus uses this understanding of being the gift of God. Romans 5.17 describes our righteousness as being a gift. Ephesians 2 verse 8, our faith as being a gift. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that it is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Friends, we find ourselves exalting this time of year on this special day and every day and every Lord's Day here in our text, thanks be to God. Here we find in our text that it, God not only is, but again, Paul wants us to know that God gives. He's not simply the God who exists. He, he's not capricious in the sense of like the Greek gods and the ancient gods who, who have a narrative about their capriciousness and their retribution. God not only is... But he gives. He expresses himself through the giving, particularly of his son. God is, he gives, God gave his son. Why? Ephesians 1 verse 5, in love, having predestined us to the adoption as sons. He has sent his son 
to save his people from their sins, to reconcile us to God. This is the heart of Christmas. This is the whole meaning of the first advent of the coming of the Christ child. And God the Father is the one who authored it. God, is, God the Father is the one who determined. God the Father is the one who predestined. God the Father is the one who sent his Son. Number one, the most wonderful giver. Number two, the most wonderful gift. Here in verse 15, Paul says, Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. What we find here in this verse is something that is stunning. And I'll come back to it in just a moment. Paul is one of the most gifted individuals in all of world history with words. Paul has an amazing in intellect. He's got amazing capacity to be used of God as God through the Holy Spirit has used him to pen sacred scripture to give the church sound doctrine. And yet he comes trying to express this heart-root understanding of gift-giving, exalting in the praise of God's wonderful gift, and he uses this word, indescribable. In other words, Paul says, I do not have the words to fully articulate to you the amazing gift that God has given. Paul was otherworldly in his linguistics and vocabulary. Paul could not only say one word, but he could give you all the synonyms and antonyms for that word. Paul was gifted on the spot, and yet he comes to this understanding of the doctrine of Christ, having the highest, many, one commentator says this, Paul was estimated to have the highest IQ in the ancient world when people study his writings. Only the Lord would know that, of course. He is a trophy of God's grace, and yet he is a bumbling, excuse me, idiot. He comes across as uh, indescribable. I'm not putting Paul down. I'm trying to make a, a key point here. He comes across not because of his IQ, but because of the magnitude of Christ, because of the true understanding of the eternality of Christ. He says this gift is so overwhelming, you can describe the Taj Mahal. You can describe sacrifice. You can describe the Statue of Liberty. You can describe, and on and on we can go through those amazing gifts throughout world history. But when you come to this gift, there is no comparison for this gift. There's no way you can say, this gift, listen here, is like in its truest sense. There is no rival for this gift. This word, indescribable, in fact, in verse 15, all throughout church history there is no real word for it as you translate it from the Greek into English. As it's been translated into the English language, there's been a number of words or phrases that have been tried to, attempted to be used to really capture what Paul is trying to say here. I'm going to give you some examples of them. One word is a word that we no longer use anymore. Kenneth Weist uses it. It's the word ineffable. Ineffable. The Amplified translates and says this, it's the gift beyond description. The King James says, thanks be to God for this unspeakable, this unspeakable gift. Another one renders it this, thanks be to God for his indescribable, as we have mentioned a moment ago here. Here in our text, we find that Paul says, thanks be to God for his indescribable, inexpressible gift. This word, the fullest meaning we can pull out of it is simply this, 
too great, too extreme to be expressed by words. It is truly inexpressible. The closest thing we have as Paul tries to draw our hearts in and explaining this, ex, this exaltation in Christ is simply this. There's a similar word, and it's this one, unsearchable. It's a similar word in the New Testament. So, for example, the closest word we have to thanks be to God for this indescribable gift is this one, unsearchable. Romans eleven thirty three. Listen, hear the word of the Lord. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 8, Paul says simply this. He exalts that God has given him grace. He says this, that I should preach among the Gentiles the unfathomable, the unsearchable riches of Christ. That's the closest word that we have to this word. In action, we see Mary simply responding to the news that she will bear the Son of God with an action. And sometimes actions give more than words, don't they? The Bible says Mary simply pondered all these things in her heart. Sometimes as we study the scriptures and we come to the deep truths of God, the heart of the gospel, we find ourselves ceasing to talk and we find ourselves meditating. We find ourselves crunching or mulching on the Word of God, meditating on the Word of God, chewing on the Word of God, asking the Holy Spirit to illuminate His truth for us. In fact, that's why so many of our songs that we sing in this Christmas season attempt to capture it. For example, it's still a mystery to me that the hands of God could be so small, how tiny fingers reaching in the night were the very hands that measure the sky. It's still a mystery to me how his infant eyes have seen the dawn of time, how his ears have heard an angel's symphony, but still Mary had to rock her Savior to sleep. When we come to these deep truths of the virgin birth of Christ, the doctrine of the deity of Christ, the atoning sacrifice of Christ. Friends, you will reach a point to where you say, God, I give up, and I ponder these things in my heart. These are the unsearchable, unspeakable, indescribable riches of Christ. And that is why Paul simply gives us this doxology, thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. The word gift here, as we think about the greatest, the most wonderful gift ever given, this word gift is the idea of what we all understand. What, what is a gift? A gift is something that is freely given, isn't it? A gift, by its very definition, by its very nature, is without price or without compensation. This is not the day, moms and dads, where we hold things over our, our children's head, is it? Usually, somebody gives you a big bag of candy, you'll find a way to implement that very wisely. Hey, children, God, uh, our friends have graciously given us this bag of candy. Uh, if you clean up your rooms, uh, you can get a sucker at the end of that objective, right? Well, that's not a, that's not a gift. Uh, that's something that is earned. Today, many of you, if you haven't already, 
Maybe this afternoon you'll get together with your family. And I highly doubt, I hope you don't, have some objective before you simply hand your loved ones a gift and say, I love you. Merry Christmas. It's a gift. And that's what Paul is exalting in here. He says, thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. This gift that Paul describes is, again, it's closely, it's a word that is closely akin to the word grace in the New Testament. And the idea of grace is God giving us something that we do not deserve. Otherwise, it wouldn't be grace. A gift that is earned is not not a gift. So gift and grace are closely connected in concept and in linguistics and also in expression. What we find here in the text is that Paul is exalting in Jesus Christ and his finished work in both the gospel of grace and the gift of Christ. They They are one and the same. Again, thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. Why is it so indescribable? John chapter 3, verse 16, a verse that no doubt you have probably put in your memory. Cross reference says this, For God so loved the world. Here's another way of looking at that. For God loved the world. He loved it in this way. Here, John three sixteen, a verse that you have no doubt memorized, flips it in the understanding of showing the value of the object achieved. For God so loved the world, he loved it in this way, that he gave his only, not one of his 10 sons, one of his 20 sons, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send the son into the world to judge the world, but that the world through him might be saved. 1 John chapter 4, verse 9, John writes this. He says, By this the love of God was manifested in us. This gift is manifested to us that God has sent His only begotten Son into the world so that we might live through Him. And then one last verse, Romans chapter 8, verse 32. As we think about the most wonderful gift, Paul says this. He says, He who did not, God the Father, who did not spare His own Son, but delivered Him over for us all, How will he not with him also freely give us all things? All that you and I need is found in this gift. God has given us his son and he will give us all things for life and for godliness. He's not only the God of all comfort, but he is the God of all providence and all care. The giver, number two, the gift. And lastly, number three, the most appropriate response, the most wonderful response, and it's simply this, gratitude. Gratitude, verse 15. As we consider the opening words here, reverse the order a little bit, you'll notice there in the verse, Paul begins verse 15 by saying this, thanks be to God. I know it's not lost on you in our culture today, in our day and age, how rare gratitude is. There's little gratitude that we see expressed. In fact, we don't even really think about it a lot, but when it is expressed or when it does happen, it gives us pause. We often will stop and reflect as we receive a thank you note or as we think about it, wow, I've not received one of these in a while. It hits us at rare moments. It hits us at times when we're least expecting it. 
And there's something that happens in our hearts as we think about why do we express thanks? Because again, not only is praise and giving and the giver, but gratitude all finds itself rooted in the gospel of Jesus Christ and God the Father giving God the Son for us, his bride. And there's only one response to such a gift. It is simply this, thanks be to God. This is the greatest gratitude from those who receive. And in fact, Paul loves to use this phrase, thanks be to God. For example, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 57, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, he says there. 2 Corinthians 2, but thanks be to God who always leads us in triumph in Christ and manifests through us the sweet aroma of the knowledge of him in every place. Romans 6, verse 17, Paul says this, but thanks be to God that though you were slaves of sin, you became obedient from the heart to that form of teaching which you were committed. And here, yet again, in verse 15, Paul says, thanks be to God. We give thanks to God because even though this gift is indescribable and inexpressible, it is a, it is a free gift. It is free to those who receive it. It is not free in the sense of without cost, but it is free to us who call upon the name of the Lord, who see our need for Christ. Friend, have you seen your need for Christ? Do you realize that your sin separates you from a holy God and that God will judge you one day or he will judge Christ for your sins? Receive the free gift of Christ. It is a free gift. It is a voluntary gift. It is an undeserved gift, as we've already, as we've already stated, and it is, a, it is a valuable gift. In fact, this gift is so valuable, many people hear the gospel of free grace, the gospel of the free gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. And there's a sense of pride in our hearts when we say, but I must do something in exchange for such a gift. Surely there's something I could do for God. Friend, there's nothing you could do to merit or deserve this, this gift. In the first century world, it is said that a Roman emperor gave an expensive, expensive gift to his friend. And when the fellow ruler opened this gift, he simply responded, this gift is, it's too much for me to receive. Have you ever found yourself in such a moment? I have. You're crushed. You're overwhelmed by the weight of the expression of that gift. And there's a sense of, I don't deserve this. I cannot receive this. Well, that's what the friend said. He said, this gift is too much for me to receive. And the emperor replied, he said, but it is not too much for me to give. It's not too much for me to give. It comes at a great cost to God the Father, but yet he gives the gift of his son. What does this gift do? Why does it respond? Why does it lead us to exalt in gratitude towards him? Because this gift reconciles us and restores us to God. Jesus Christ, God's Son, restores us to a thrice holy God. God saves us for himself, by himself, for himself. God the judge has given us the gift of his Son. We exalt in thanksgiving because of its efficacy. 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. It is, a, it is efficacious. It works. 
Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, being confident of this very thing, that God the Father, who has begun a good work in you, will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. We give thanks to God for this indescribable gift because God is working in us the greater hope of glory. He is changing us to the image of His Son, Jesus Christ. Why do we give thanks to God for this indescribable gift? Because it brings peace with God. It brings joy, true joy, that only God can give. And that is why all throughout church history, as we consider and reflect in closing on this amazing gift that, that Paul leads us to exalt in. And basically, Paul is singing a song, and he says what the psalmist says, Come, and magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. In a sense, if, if, if I'm reading into the, between the lines here, Paul is saying, say it with me again, church. <laughs> Thanks be to God. And he, he is speaking like a worship leader, leading our hearts to give praise out of true joy for Christ. In fact, you could say it like this. If there is only one word, if we could only use one word to sing a song, a one-word response would be this, hallelujah. Hallelujah. There's no greater word, in my humble opinion, that expresses the heart of gratitude as Christians. Those who've experienced the grace of God, the free gift of God, the free grace of God, there's only one response we give, and it's this, hallelujah, hallelujah. But yet, it's the only response we give to God, thanks be to God, for this indescribable gift, the gift of his precious Son, but church, we're under a commission. In fact, our God is a giving God, and we are a giving people. And even above and beyond the gifts that we give today, and that's a wonderful thing, the most precious, the most important gift that you and I can give is also the gift of God's Son. The giving, the sharing of the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Matthew chapter 28, if you'll turn there with me, just in conclusion, Matthew chapter 28 I want to remind us as a church that this gift is something that God has given to us. We sing it. We praise God for it. But yet, as we respond in appropriate praise to God, we are under a mandate. We are those who reflect our God. God is a giving God, and we are a giving people. Now, there's a number of ways that we give. I don't have the stats memorized, but recently I was reading it said out of all the giving of the United States, 70% of it, I believe, to charitable organizations, whatever, it comes through a faith-based standpoint, like the church expressed in the United States. That, that's one expression of what we mean of being a giving people, whether it's the giving of adoption or the giving of supporting medical causes or the sharing of the gospel. Because God is a giving God, we are a giving People. That's why you never see, you know, Karl Marx Memorial Hospital. Um, you know, you, you see the idea of those things, and ideas have consequences. But listen, we're under a mandate. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Give the gift of Christ. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. What is the gift you and I give? Teaching them, verse 20, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen and amen. As we close our message this morning and consider Paul's exhortation, thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. Our response to him 
is hallelujah, hallelujah. But yet, also our response to him is obedience to the mandate he has given to us to share this gift that we have received, to preach, to proclaim, and to live the precious gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Truly, we cannot say it enough. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Father, thank you for the treasure that you have given to us of salvation, that we have tasted and seen of the goodness of the Lord. Father, the things that we were once bound to, our sin, the things that we loved, that we, we found our identity in, but also were our greatest chains, they sapped the very life joy from us because they never delivered what we were seeking. The things we once loved, our sin and shame and iniquity, Father, because of your grace, we now hate, we reject, we abandon. And the God that we did not once love, we now love with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength because of this indescribable gift. Father, as your children, we give thanks to God for the day that your spirit opened our minds, made us aware that we were lost and headed for hell, showed us our need of Christ. Father, we give you all the praise and all the glory. Father, we give you our life, our breath, and our being because you have saved us, called us. We are your bride. Father, as your people, we want to not only give you the, the praise, hallelujah, in response that you deserve. We want to be faithful in obedience to this gospel that we say we love, that we say we have. Father, will we be obedient as your people to share the gift of Christ even today? It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.